Hey everyone, this is episode 24 of Noodle Time. Welcome. Here with me is com- coming out here live from the Dynamo Underground, Tony Rubio. Tony, say hello. What's up, everybody? Coming at you straight from the undergrounds. Dynamo Diesel's lair. You already know. We don't know where it is, but it, it exists now, thanks to Glenn Davis. But yeah, uh, it's been... um. Yeah. It's been an interesting couple of weeks since nothing has happened, but this is the first episode of the season, uh, season two, actually. So hopefully with a new owner, a new GM, uh, things are going to get better from here. But as we all know, we have to wait and see because we've been on high hopes before and we've been pretty much um, killed with those hopes and dreams, you know? I mean... Hopefully this is the most boring show of the season, because from here on out we're either gonna be irrationally mad or cautiously happy, as a Dynamo fan does think. Because you no no Dynamo fan thinks blindly, unless you're Webb Tilton, and unfortunately none of us are are that wonderful man. Oh yeah, we've been. We've been molded by pain for the last eight years, so obviously we can't we can't be too optimistic because we're just gonna be extremely disappointed by the end of the season. But, um, but yeah, uh, we'll see, we'll see what this year brings for us, and especially with the uh, news uh, now pouring in right around the the corner with the start of preseason and all the good stuff, all the good things that we're gonna talk about uh, over the next few weeks as well as the season way around the corner because it's, it's an early start uh, due to the World Cup. So um, it's going to be a good... I feel like it's going to be a weird season because of that and also because of all the things that we have gone through this offseason. New, obviously, new GM, a new head coach, and with um, obviously Paulo Nagamura being um, an interesting candidate uh, since we... Even though he has like more professional experience compared to Tab, uh, we still... We're still not that optimistic. I like to say we're just like make we're just making. Are we just like just cautious? I would like to say cautiously optimistic, but just cautious um, because of the reasons I said before. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not really like anything. I mean, it's kind of sad that we're about to announce it. I mean, by the time you guys listen to this, Sebastian Ferreira, our new uh, DP striker, will probably be announced. Um, we're recording right now Monday night, which is a uh, January seventeenth. So by the time this is uploaded, he will be announced, or he will be about to be announced. Um, it's kind of sad that that's about to happen, and we're all happy with the signing, but everybody's unhappy generally because not enough movement has happened yet in this transfer window for anyone's liking. But you know, trust the process. We got to trust a big old pad up there, but you know, everybody's desperate for something, but. Uh, we're still going to find ways to make hot takes today and, you know, absolutely rational thoughts, probably. Yeah, and we're going to talk about, like, uh, those changes, like, uh, later on in the episode. But for now, we just want to focus on Sebastian Ferreira, which is a pretty interesting uh, choice of a designated player coming for Houston. Uh, obviously, uh, with the rumored uh, transfer amount being $4.5 million, uh, which is a... Um, obviously, if you are... Following the Dynamo for like um, a very long time, you know for a fact this is a big number, and like the closest that gets to it, um, obviously it blows away past the initial amount for Albert Police, but 
I like to say that the closest amount that we'll get to it will be obviously when we've got Kubo Torres, uh, which is uh, roughly, uh, if I recall correctly, million. it was like uh, around the seven million dollar range because and, and it's and it's still the most expensive uh, transfer in Dynamo history. And Sebastian, I guess, is going to be like um, a close second or third place, um, just on the top, from the top of my head. Um, and yeah, I mean, the only sources. We have no sources. The only thing we've read on Twitter, uh, which is uh, you know our, our everybody's trustful source, of course, is that from Paraguay they're saying it was going to be over six million. Um, now our our good friend Dynamo Insider today was saying that he got it from a good source that it is actually a four point five million deal. So that's interesting. If that is true, it, it could just be that there is um, add-ons and percentages involved that you know if you hit certain metrics that it can reach. You know, potentially over six million, but like I said, we 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 don't know anything concretely, and uh, I don't think anybody else does, for for the most part. But it's definitely an investment from uh, from Big Daddy Ted. Yeah, and uh, he um he had like a pretty interesting trajectory because he obviously started from um uh, uh Paraguay his, his home country, and then from there he moved to Liga Mekis, but it didn't seem like he managed to get things going there, especially when he went to. Um, um, I like to say after Morelia, like he didn't seem to like fi- find time to play w- with Amazatlan, which was his last club in Liga MX before moving back to Uruguay, a uh, Paraguay, sorry. And and from there with Club Libertad since 2020, like he's been having a he's been having a pretty um great time over there. Obviously scoring in the in the Paraguayan league as well as Copa Libertadores and and uh, La Copa Latinoamericana, uh, which has been um for because I know for a fact um, that in 2020 he managed to score 17 goals in 29 appearances, and the year later uh, he managed to score 10 goals out of his 25 appearances there. And and obviously with a good try record he's having, he's getting more eyes for the Paraguayan national team, uh, which is also good. Um, so it's um yeah. out of the last designated players that we had, like obviously uh, since we had like Elise and Kyoto, like this is probably one that we should be excited about i mean yeah it definitely seems like he's a young player he's uh, i believe 24 if not just turned 24 um there's a lot more data on him to actually look at and what actually seems like happened to him is he started off as a kind of wonder kid in paraguay i believe uh, don't get me wrong we'll have we might have somebody on later this week that will cover um uh, Sebastian a little bit more, somebody who specializes in Paraguayan football. Uh, so we'll we'll confirm all of these th- data points and everything later. But I think he started off with uh, with Olympia and in um, in Paraguay, either Olympia or one of the other big teams. Uh, don't no disrespect there if I'm if I'm misnaming the team. Um, and then he went to uh, Morelia in Mexico, which, as many of you guys know, that happens in MLS. They moved the team from Morelia to Mazatlan recently in Sinaloa. And um, when that happened, um, Ferreira never even played a game for Mazatlan. He, they sent him on loan back to Paraguay, where he was playing now. And um, from there is where he's coming to the Dynamo. So uh, he definitely didn't uh, he didn't fail in Liga MX. He, he did quite well, actually, which is uh, exciting to see from his small time there that he was able to score goals and definitely some some beautiful goals. If you guys have seen the the highlight reels, so you know if a player does decently well in Liga MX, you know 
the 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 past shows and the players that have come over here show that that's probably a player that's going to score you know his fair share of goals in MLS. So um, that's a, like like I'm saying we just kind of have some more data points to know that you know even though the Paraguayan league isn't the most um, prolific and there has been quite a few Paraguayans that have come over and haven't done amazing. You know there are other ones that have done really well in the past like Miguel Almiron and you know, hopefully that's what the Dynamo are kind of reaching more on that side of you know if he was anywhere as good as Miguel Almiron MLS then that's an absolute home run. Oh yeah and you brought up a good point because he's still fairly young. He he does turn 24 uh, in the next month but uh, overall this seems like a pretty uh, exciting signing especially for one that uh, pretty critical role that we have been trying to fill uh, since Manotas left um, the number nine position. Obviously, we tried uh, working things out with uh, Ruti, but unfortunately, that didn't work out. Also, because of what he was being paid <laughs> over the course of last season and not not much production, and also with the situation uh, regarding Christian Ramirez and moving to Aberdeen because he he didn't play a lot, and I'm just thankful he he's managing to work things out in Scotland and and yeah hopefully this time it works you know because like it's been one of those positions that like I said before um it didn't seem like the Dynamo uh, got it um got it working as soon as Manotas left and uh, I'm just interested on seeing what happens from here because apparently like after the next couple of seasons he can be his DP um um position can be bought down so we have to wait and see what's, what's up with that. But obviously, it's going to depend on what happens from here. So I'm honestly looking forward to what Ferrer is going to do on the field. Yeah, no, because from just pulling up the transfer market here, which, as we all know, sometimes can be a little bit wrong, but I'm not looking at anything to do with uh, with values right now, just in terms of his career stats. Um, you know how Mexico does the clausura and apertura seasons, which is kind of a fall... Uh, in the spring season, so he managed to score what what is eleven goals over um, thirty five games in um, in Liga MX, putting putting his numbers together from both seasons. So I would say that's a pretty good return, especially at that age. Hopefully, he's gotten even better at this point. So eleven that's pretty much eleven goals in one season uh, when he was playing for Morelia, uh, Monarcas and Morelia. So you know. If he translated those numbers to the Dynamo, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be unhappy at all. Eleven goals, hopefully, you know, aiming more a little bit for the 15, 15 goal echelon if we wanted to be successful. But um, you know, that's promising. And as as Andres said, uh, over in um, in Paraguay, he's scored a little bit more than that. But for example, lastly, scoring fourteen goals in twenty nine games. So that's a uh, something a little bit more exciting as well as. Scoring five goals in sixteen uh, Libertadores games, which is a pretty high level competition, as we all know. And another note about Sebastian Ferreira: is that the other team that he was most prominently linked to recently was a uh, Palmeiras, Palmeiras from Brazil, which is the pretty much the biggest team in Brazil right now. And in terms of quality, um, they've been poaching up a lot of players uh, like Eduardo Atuesta from LAFC, uh, possibly Tati Castellanos from NYCFC. So the fact that they were in for Fedeta uh, at their striker position uh, speaks really highly of him, in my opinion. And yeah, um, and just going back to um, the main needs in the, in the up top in the striker position, 
it's a pretty good segue to the next topic because we're gonna talk about the super draft um that happened last week um it's um we came in this one a little bit um uh hopeful only because we had like the fourth overall pick and we we got a chance to to grab some neat players and with the with the fourth overall pick we wanted to uh, pick uh thirdly for Olferson, also known as thor uh which um from that position, I feel like it's he's like out of the three players that we grabbed from the draft. I feel like it's definitely one that we're more than likely going to see this upcoming season because it's um, not only is he is he like a generation Adidas player, but also a very um, a striker with a high ceiling. I like to say because I've seen his highlights and um, he's um it doesn't seem like he's playing around. I'm, I'm also very hopeful about him and what's going to happen between preseason and how he's going to compete with Mateo Bahamich for, for the uh, second string. We'll see what's, how it's going to go. But um, I feel like from the from coming out of the draft and obviously uh, right now acquiring Ferreira, I feel like it's um, um, the striker position is going to be pretty competitive this season. And that's, that's pretty good overall. I mean, like we'll talk about uh, a little bit later in the podcast, Andres may or may not talk about uh, a, pro- a projected lineup uh, for the Dynamo and depth chart that he created, which, like we talked about, me and him before the podcast, it's very early in the season. So you predict it, but we might just talk about it just for fun. And, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks or months, laugh at how different it, w- it, it was compared to what actually happened. But um, it's, it's very interesting going into this season to even – uh, formulate what's going to happen because, uh, like Andres just mentioned, Bahamich, obviously he had uh, a very sad impact last year, whether that was Tab or his actual quality. And f- from the time that we did see him on the field, he really didn't produce any kind of hope for, for the money we paid for him. You know, thank you, Matt Jordan. But um, Amen. <laughs> uh, this is really a clean slate for all these guys. And, you know, we, we don't want to discard Mateo completely off um, right now because he can come into this preseason, uh, you know, fitter than he's ever been and completely disprove all of us. And, you know, maybe show Tab that he was wrong the whole time that he was playing in the wrong position, um, et cetera. So that's what I'm most excited for. right now. That's my Webb Tilton optimism of the day right now. That's my copyrighted to Webb Tilton quote right there. Absolutely. But I'm excited that I think guys will be hungrier than ever to, to come in and fight for their livelihoods, you know. If Bahamich doesn't do well here, then I don't think he has a the doors open anywhere else in MLS, let alone Europe after this, which, you know, when he came to MLS, obviously there was uh, rumors that Charlotte FC also wanted him, that Italian clubs wanted him. So that that that's a guy, that's a young guy fighting for his future. Um, and then obviously with our draft picks, not to get off topic, uh, Thor Olferson, obviously, obviously we need to give him time and not expect, you know, production right off the top because you know the draft isn't what it used to be but every year you're seeing at least one or two or three guys going in to start from MLS teams are playing significant minutes and it's about damn time the Dynamo finally chose a draft pick that uh that gave us good good really good minutes and and Thor obviously you know it's a huge jump in quality but uh from what I was looking into him uh he missed quite a few games at the beginning of the season with Duke uh due to COVID and he still scored like uh, I don't know if the numbers are correct, but something like 13 goals in 15 games. Like he, he 
whatever how many games he played, he scored two two less goals in the whole season, and that's with missing uh, games in the season. So that's really impressive. And apart from that, Thor Ulfersson, you know, we're completely butchering his name too, the Icelandic, uh, hopefully future superstar. Uh, he used to play for a team in, in Iceland called Bredbolik. I think that's kind of where he got his, his start. And he was actually playing like, I don't know how it works at NCAA, but he was at least playing for the team. Um, and I don't know if it ain't count as professional money, like for him to come to NCAA. But that's like a team where a lot of Icelandic stars have been uh, molded and played before, like Albert Finnebogason from the Icelandic national team who plays at Augsburg. So, I mean, I'm sorry, this is a lot of information to throw out there, but it's really a promising pick. And especially the, the situation Thor is coming into where we have, a, I guess, the best opportunity to win a spot and win minutes. We're probably still going to bring in another striker this offseason, I would assume. Somebody has depth, you know, probably more of a veteran. Uh, you know, there's been rumors of Mauro Manotas. So I really doubt that's going to happen because we have other areas of need that that need to be covered first. But uh, side note, what I was thinking, um, Andres, is that if Manotas keeps playing, uh, let's say, not well with Tijuana, which he's started off both of the games this season, not exactly on his hottest foot, we could always see a, a summer transfer. Um, you know, who, who knows? We could end up getting him for a lot less than we sent him over. So that's that's something to hope for if we did want to see Manotas back. But I think any Dynamo fan that's hoping for him this uh, season before the season even starts should just shut that shut that dream down right now before you get too happy. Yeah, um, <laughs> obviously we all want him back, but I feel like at this point um, if it feels like it's not going to happen only because we already have like three strikers on the roster now. We have to get rid of one. Um, and obviously bringing back Manotas will be awesome, but... I feel like he he already made his move, and for him to come back is gonna be a while, you know. Um, like a veteran or, or something, I can definitely see that, but it's um it's still too early, so I, I don't expect him to come yeah, back. Sorry, sorry. And also, and also, be- sorry to take us so, so off topic about the super draft. There, we'll get back on there, but you know, two two veterans that I mentioned on Twitter that you know we got a lot of I got a lot of stick back for uh, was like somebody like a Juan Agudelo who lives in Houston in the offseason, you know, he's only 29. And then a guy like Dom Dwyer, who's, I don't know, like 30, 31. Obviously, guys that aren't uh, in the best graces in MLS lately, but I think guys that can definitely score, uh, you know, five to eight goals, five to ten goals for you uh, coming off the bench during a season. And I think that's what the Dynamo need to to compete. A veteran presence and, you know, somebody that maybe you can take a flyer on and ends up actually producing starting numbers for the amount of money that they're, they're earning during the season. So that's just something to think of. But, you know, I'll stop cutting you off on this so you can keep talking about the draft. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I mean, you you definitely brought brought some good points. Um, obviously, with Agudel, I feel like it's it's interesting at this point. But as for Dwyer, though, uh, since FC Dallas has acquired his rights, I feel like it's going to be, like, a little uh, risky because they're definitely going to put, like, a high price on him. But, yeah, I'm, I was, I'm still unsure about Dwyer, but Agudelo, I can see more of it happening. And also, actually, what what happened with Dwyer is that FC Dallas atta- obtained his rights from Toronto for the draft pick, but FC Dallas immediately bought him out of his contract. So Dwyer is now a free agent. Not that I specifically want him on the Dynamo, or you know, but you know, we're already getting all these SKC people from Paolo, and uh, you know, Dwyer used to be at SKC with Paolo yeah. as well. So it's just saying, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, and especially now that 
Dwyer was making uh, the veteran minimum last year, apparently, and now he's a free agent. It's definitely a big possibility, but um, we don't have to pay anything to Dallas since they bought him out. That way, Toronto gotcha. can now buy out. Now Toronto can buy out Josie Altador in the offseason since they're going to let him go. Yeah, I. Yeah, thanks for correcting me because I always thought that um, Dallas had Dwyer's rights, but I I guess I just must have missed the fact that they bought his contract still, which is like it was like, like a weird trade. But that's an MLS trade for you, you know, part of the, yeah, part of the, the MLS is, tradition. The, re- the reason is because I, I believe only a team can only buy out one player every offseason is what I understand. And since uh, Toronto wants to buy out Josie Altador, so he's not on the roster anymore, uh, they had to trade Dwyer for somebody else to buy him out. That makes more sense. Yeah, Smart only, right there. only in MLS. And yeah, um... <laughs> Yeah, and I wanted to get back to the draft because um, obviously with the other three picks being Paulo Lima, the midfielder for Providence College, and Arturo Ordonez uh, from uh, Pittsburgh, um, and with also with all the homegrowns that we still have, um, Juan Casilla, Daniel Rios, and Dynamo 2 coming in uh, starting this season, I feel like there's more reason to be hopeful with all the talents coming in because we know for a fact that they're going to get minutes at Dynamo 2. Uh, compared to like other affiliates and our time with RGBFC, uh, where we know that it, it wasn't guaranteed for them to get minutes, but now we know for a fact that they, they will get playing minutes uh, against like uh, skilled other skilled teams across the league and and USL. So that's not definitely not a thing I'm looking forward to th- this year. And once that get me excited, honestly, because um, we're definitely going to see more homegrowns there uh, aside from the draft picks. And it's going to be something special, I feel like. Yeah, honestly, I don't know about you, but I feel like during the season, if things go a little bit sour, so we, we might end up being bigger fans of Dynamo 2 than Dynamo 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we're at least going to be watching uh, future Academy kids and draft picks playing. So uh, that'll be that'll definitely be fun. I hopefully, hopefully all those MLS Next games are streamed. And I'm telling you, if, if uh, Dynamo 2 is playing at Aviva Stadium and – they allow beer sales over there. We, we might just have a great time uh, <laughs> down, <laughs> down at a Dynamo two game one day. So that'll definitely be something fun. Um, I just wanted to, I guess, bring up the note. Uh, you mentioned Paulo Lima. Did you mention uh, Arturo Ordonez from Spain? Oh yeah, he, the, the oh yeah. One thing I, I forgot to mention is that they're both internationals. Um, Paulo Lima is from Portugal, and Arturo Ordonez is from Spain. And, and yeah, obviously, um, since their international, um, their, their international status, um, make them immediately think that they're going to go to Dynamo too, because, um, the Dynamo like this year, they're going to have six international slots and they're all filled now as soon as Ferreira comes in. So, um, I definitely thought they're going to be, um, uh, straight to Dynamo too, unless they impress Paulo, uh, which I doubt, but we'll see. Well, yeah, that's. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the press conference after the Super Draft, um, I think Pat specifically said that they brought uh, in Paulo and Arturo with the thought that they're going to go straight into Dynamo 2. Um, but, you know, hot take right here. As I said, I would give a hot take. I, I have a feeling. I have absolutely no basis on this. I've never seen Oh, here it comes. It. Say it. I have, I have a feeling that Arturo Ordonez will play more minutes for... He will play more minutes than Thor Olfersen in his Dynamo career. Oh, damn. 
over the long term. And you know why? Because Thor Olferson will be the next great MLS rookie. We'll sell him to Europe next year. And then uh, Arturo will become a spot starter for the Dynamo. So that's the way things are going to go. Damn, that's, um, that's a good take right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, apart, you know, being serious, we really don't know the status, the legal status of any of these international players. They very well, all three could take up international slots. But, you know, with Thor being a GA player, he's definitely going to be on the first team is from what we understand. And since these guys have been going to college in the U.S., they very well could be on their path towards a, a green card, especially now that they're on an MLS team. So that'll be something interesting to keep a keep up with but um uh it's it's exciting to see how pat and the in the in the front office kind of maneuver maneuver oh you know all those mechanisms but you know one last thing on thor um something pretty interesting is that you know how i mentioned he he was playing at least at what seemed like a, a professional level in iceland before he went to duke he was only at duke for one season so that's pretty cool that he he just kind of Came kind of as a, a bit of an older player to Duke. Then just in one season, probably the best striker, one of the best strikers in all of college soccer. And, you know, now he's in Houston. See see if he can uh, replicate the last great uh, forward that Houston drafted in, in Will Bruin. And hopefully hopefully even better than that because, yeah, you know, Will Bruin surprisingly scored a lot of goals in Orange but wasn't very loved in, in Dynamo colors at that time yeah um we'll see what happens will bring it's a special case it's a very special a dynamo i like to say um case study um but yeah it's good it's There's- it probably can take up the whole episode uh like one entire episode just discussing <laughs> will Bruin and what happened but yeah it's, it's just int- there, there, there's been rumors that will Bruin might go to atlanta because uh you know pineda used to be at seattle and apparently wants to bring him now to to Atlanta as a backup striker to Josef. And if that happens, let it, um, I already don't like Wilbur, and I'll just absolutely hate his guts if that happens. But Yeah, and Atlanta moved yeah. up, moved on from Kubo Torres, and Kubo's now in USL Championship with Ooh. Orange County. Now, now there's God, a reason to watch uh, USL Championship right there if you haven't because of the R- RGVFC Toros. But I'll, it's, um, I'll always have a soft spot for that guy. We, we love Kubo. He scored a hat-trick. So... Kubo, Kubo mania. Kubo's my life. Uh, that's the most. Kubo is the most excited I've ever been to for a Dynamo signing in my entire life, and <laughs> I met him several times. I met him several times when he was a Dynamo player, and I was like, "Dude, this guy's gonna go to, he's gonna go to the freaking moon." And unfortunately, he did it. Still a nice guy, though. But I love him. Know, all the best, best, best wishes from Noodle Time to Kubo Torres. Yes. Moving on um, from the sidetrack episode, uh, we're we're um. Let's talk about a little bit, a little bit about the preseason because it's um obviously there's still a little bit of, of concern when it comes to the new coaching staff as well as the additions that have been made so far, and one of the things that happened uh, lately obviously was the announcement of the the new coaching staff, um, with a couple and obviously Paul Nagamura coming in, not only him being from um um like a rival Sporting Kansas City, but also G- Jimmy Nielsen coming in which uh, I feel like a lot of people didn't take well because, like, I, I found out recently, but, like, a lot of people don't like Jimmy Nielsen, mainly because of uh, what he did as a player. I'm not sure he, he was, like, a little bit too rude on the field, but, yeah, it's I feel like it's mostly that. 
and also Chris Martinez coming in and Zach Thornton um, as assistants. Uh, Thornton is coming as like as the new uh, goalkeeping coach, um, uh, and he's like um I feel like this is like probably the the best one out of the bunch uh, out of the announcement that is because like Thornton you, you look at his history and he's co- like considered like one of the best goalkeepers in 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 the league's history, um, playing. I believe he played a 12 seasons in the league and like he's considered like one of the very best uh just winning championships with a Chicago Fire if I recall correctly and he also won his Border Shields too and all that experience coming in uh to obviously Steve Clark not only Steve Clark but also Michael Nelson I feel like it's going to help him a lot and that's a, at least that's, that's the thing I'm looking forward to that uh, for the new coaching staff but we'll see how how Jimmy Nielsen does uh, although I'm a little bit reserved of uh, um obviously because like a lot of people didn't take the announcement well but we'll see obviously it's way different than being a player so uh, we're definitely gonna see what happens from here yeah we uh we gotta set th- you know things aside and uh, i mean it just sounds like a freaking broken record at this point you know trust trust and pat you know it, it could be a semi-depressing season because i don't expect us to turn this around and possibly even make playoffs in our first season. Uh, you know, if it, hopefully having a lower mentality like that before the season even starts causes the opposite reaction during the season and we do well, but that's going to be a slower rebuild. Like we're not, even though Ted obviously has the money, as we can see, he's not just going to throw money like crazy until we have kind of a better base put along. Um, it's kind of, you know, it is kind of infuriating to see all these old SKC players come in because during those times we had like the most, craziest battles with SKC, you know, with Aurelian Collin, Matt Beasler, Jimmy Nielsen, Dom Dwyer, you know, back when they won the MLS Cup. And these are, these are the guys that are coming to coach the Dynamo now. Uh, Jimmy, did you did you mention Chris Martinez, too, from SKC? He was the assistant coach there uh, for SKC, too, with Paolo. So Paolo pretty much brought his whole gang over here. Zach Thornton came from D.C. United. So, you know, it's a, it's only a new slate. Sometimes, even though, you, you know, you have – good people in good positions in the, in the past, you know, from, from what I've talked to for with a few friends that are in several uh, different MLS teams. Um, it's just nice to start over fully from scratch sometimes, you know, just uh, to kind of bring in a new mentality. Sometimes you're just kind of, even though there's good people working there, it's kind of like you're stuck in a cycle, you're stuck in a one train of thought. And, uh, you know, all we can hope for is that even though these are, you know, some SKC mercenaries, you know, coming over to, to help out Paulo. Hopefully that results in success for us, but uh, it is a little infuriating. I just I just hope we never go to SKC away and we're losing four 0 like we usually do every year, and they start chanting us, you know, you're just a shit SKC or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, and and one thing to consider, obviously, being me negative about like us bringing people that are pretty close to the rivals, but at the same time, you have to consider how they're more likely just looking for like new opportunities to coach, but at the same time. Uh, us being interested more in them that that Kansas City were with them, so that's at least one thing to consider. Um, obviously, they've been looking for uh, new opportunities, and I feel I feel like this opportunity uh, with us, especially coming in with a, a new GM and a new owner, uh, doesn't happen often. So, um, and obviously the the plan of um, applying a launcher project here, uh, which is obviously a thing that Pat Onset has been talking about a lot, and. And yeah, like that's one of the things we'll see in this preseason. Obviously, uh, we're gonna start applying that long long term goal of developing that 
winning culture. Obviously, it's it's a thing. It's a thing that uh, unfortunately we're gonna have to be patient about. But at the same time, we're gonna have to see results on the field um, soon enough, like one one way or another. So, in the preseason, um, the see the preseason schedule also got announced recently, and it's pretty much gonna be eight scrimmages over the next uh, few weeks, starting um, uh, late January. They they are gonna open up with um, a scrimmage against um, Dynamo Two, which is gonna be interesting. I hope that. They're definitely not, not gonna stream this one, but I, I hope they do, so we can see, so we can, I get a good taste of how Dynamo Two is gonna look like, and from there they are gonna go to uh, Tucson to play in the, in the annual preseason tournament they've been doing for a while now, and the only thing I'm not clear um, at this point is if they're gonna do La Copita again this preseason, like the the little preseason tournament they did last year, uh, because they haven't said any, anything about it, but I'm assuming they are because. Um, they are playing Austin FC and FC Dallas uh, in the last um, in the last set of scrimmages, like towards the the end of preseason, uh, as well as Toronto FC, which I feel like it it can definitely be La Copita. It's just they haven't announced it yet, but we'll see how it goes from here. Um, I feel like um, in the the that stretch of games, especially closing the um, um, the Tucson preseason tournament, I feel like it's a a pretty good. Um, showcase as to what we can see. Obviously, not everything in the offseason is going to happen in the season, but um, it's going to be interesting just looking at the players and how uh, and the lineups that Apollo Nagamura rolls with, uh, which I've been thinking about him most likely going to roll with a 4-3-3, uh, which has been a lineup that he has been using a lot with SKC2, but uh, we'll see how it goes, um, even with a a new set of players coming in if he changes his mind, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think we all know that we shouldn't count uh, preseason results for anything because you know we're, we we used to be always winning that freaking Tucson Cup in the preseason, and then we finished last anyways. And you know somebody like New England loses all three of their games and wins MLS Cup or something. So um, I'm just more excited to actually, like you said, see what Paulo you know, starts tinkering with. By no means is it going to be what he's going to go with in the season, but it'll be interesting to see what formation, how he wants the guys to play. And then also just to see a lot of these new faces that we don't know yet. Because uh, even though there's going to be a lot of faces that we do know, it, it will be interesting to see who starts becoming, you know, Pablo's favorites and his good graces. And, you know, if he has any players that he just, um, hopefully <laughs> Darwin's rent, he just wants to transfer out immediately. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's what I'm most excited for. Um, obviously, preseason, uh, we're, we're, what, right now it's January 17th, already midway through January. And the MLS season starts, um, I believe, like February 29th or 27th for us. Um, so that'll be, um, I mean, a little bit over a month left, but it's going to go by so fast. And uh, not that much time, you know, hopefully bring in. Uh, I guess we'll get into the, the part that everybody always been talking about. We have, Obviously, we have no updates, but from what Pat has said, there won't be like another huge DP signing this summer. Um, if anything, it'll be, I think they're aiming to bring in like an impactful winger. So that could be either a domestic level starting winger or a like U22 type signing at winger. Uh, you would have to assume it could be domestic since we don't have that much international slots to move around with. Uh, other than that, I think everybody absolutely wants to see 
a DP number 10, which is not going to happen this window. I would expect no movement on the number 10s just to expect Darwin, uh, Quintero, and probably Palomino to play in those roles uh, early in the season. And then um, uh, right back is is the one that we all want to see. Oh, oh, right oh yeah. Well, we, I have a lot but of it, thoughts with the right back position, but yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it's not. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen. At least um, Pat said in one of his interviews with Glenn Davis that he, uh, you know, even though a lot of fans uh, aren't happy with the players' performances from last year, you know, paraphrasing him. You know, we want like an overhaul. We don't want an overhaul. We just want a new right back. And I think that's not too much to ask for. So uh, he was pretty much setting us up to not expect a new right back, but you never know if they find the, the right guy in the international market or internally in MLS. Uh, I, I would just love anybody else to come in and see a fresh race, even though, you know, loves Eric, but don't love him starting after last season's performances. Oh, yeah. Um, if um, I would see uh, starting with the um, potential. A designated player obviously after Ferreira uh, I feel like um there's a better chance of it happening maybe like towards the end of the season um in the summer. if they can make it happen this summer that would be awesome but I feel like um they can still bring in someone uh impactful without a uh, designated player pres- uh, slot but it's um we'll see how, how it goes because like obviously as one player can get a uh, like a green card and it can change a lot uh, we still have to see how the season rolls, and like depending on how it goes, like it it influences the decision of bringing it like a a winger or a fullback, or like uh or like a like a true uh, playmaker that changes the game, which will be awesome. But yeah, just going back to the uh, right back position, I I feel like that's the position that needs to be addressed more, because I said it a bunch of times last year, and I still say it that. Uh, Sarek, I don't think he's a starter anymore. Uh, he um, he's been beaten like several times uh, this past season, and and yeah, we're, we're definitely gonna have to start looking for a start a starter at some point. Um, uh, and if not, um, obviously we can still rely on Ian Hoffman. Uh, but he's still a fairly new to the position. But uh, from the last few times I've seen him on the field, uh, on in that position, I feel like. It, it could be like a pretty good substitute if not for if Sarek's not available at least. Um, Sarek, I feel like he could still like come off the bench, but not not as a starter. I th- I think. And uh, question like question kind of deviating from that. Where do you see Memo Memo Rodriguez's best position this year? Because uh, you know it's kind of a question that we've had a lot over the years. Um. I don't think he has a place to start at all in this team. Obviously, uh, after high expectations at the beginning of last year, he kind of plummeted, just to be completely fair. Um, obviously, the team's performance did as well, but uh, I think he's definitely a bench player at this point. Uh, I'm not counting him out. He could definitely have a bounce back year after having a pretty rough year, but um, regardless of whether he's starting or, or coming off a bench, where, where do you see his best position? And I'll tell you my opinion, too, afterwards. Oh, yeah, I saw him. He's not a starter right now, uh, especially with the midfield being crowded. Um, and obviously you have like Intero and Carasquillo over him. And even like Derek Jones, like which I feel like at this point, like they're definitely better options. But I think his best bet right now would be to just, just come off the bench and and just change the game. Because I feel like that uh, at the end of the day, that's going to be what impacts the decision for him to like come back as a starter. Because I remember last year, like he um, 
he killed it as a starter, but like for some reason he just fell off from there, and which is pretty sad to see because I I I always had a high hopes on him. I still do. It's just that as of right now, I don't see him as a starter. So, um, is that position I like to say like you can like come off to replace Quintero? I feel like uh, off the bench in the second half, which I feel like is like the best choice for him. So I just like just either that because like I recall from last year like just his game from like transitioning uh, to towards the final third, which I feel like he's he does pretty well with the counters. It's just that for some reason he just fell off from there. Like um, maybe it could be like some something with Tab or like something how he wanted to like apply his game plan, but but yeah, like at this point he has to like prove it again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with your take pretty much. He's not a starter. I think he's not a winger at all. I don't, I don't want to see him wide, even though he definitely has a hell of a shot. Um, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the technical ability in his league to to be an, uh, a super impactful attacking player. But I think his best position is somewhere between the 8 and the 10. I do agree kind of subbing off Darwin, but I do think going forward in his career, the, the, like the number 8, because his defensive ability isn't isn't terrible. It's pretty decent, and his work rate is really good. So um, I don't want to see him you know, playing as a 6, sitting in front of the center backs, but I think um, you know, I think he he's definitely has a... The best opportunity, at least for the Dynamo this season, is, is playing as a number 8. and um, if it's not that, you know, not that hard of a take, though. Uh, I know there has been, uh, for sure, interest from other MLS teams. I think the other, the other um, I guess it sounds harsh, the other purpose Memo could serve this season is um, probably being our best trade bait. If uh, we did want to transfer within MLS for, for another player, I think that's probably the player that most other MLS teams would be interested in, uh, in from our squad um, that could probably succeed very well at another team. You know, Memo could just need a, a new leaf to turn, which we don't know if it's true, but there was some rumors that there was other teams looking around that he was looking to move, but I have convinced him to stay. Don't know if that's 100% true, but um, if Memo doesn't doesn't pan out completely uh, in the summer, we could see him gone in a, in a trade for somebody else. Yeah, and we, we touched on this a little bit in this episode, but obviously the striker position, uh, Ferreira is going to definitely start. And... I guess like my, my only question from there is that who is going to be the second string because obviously Mateo Bahamich, uh, he's coming in from last year, but obviously pretty dreadful run since he didn't get like a good opportunity to prove himself. But at the same time, you have to wonder um, if he even earned it, you know. Um, but it's a, it's a thing, obviously, it's still up in the air, obviously with Tab out and obviously with like a, a different game plan coming in. He, I, I can definitely see him either... Uh, Dynamo two, or if he does uh, very well in the preseason, maybe he can he can be the second string over Thor, and and it's just one of those things because obviously we have Thor coming in, which is like a pretty um, highly regarded striker um, against Mateo Bahamich with both of them uh, battling for the second spot, and uh, I feel like from here it's it's um it can be like a pretty tight race uh, because like I'll, I was I still want to be helpful with Mateo. Um, because um, um, I'm pretty optimistic about him still, but I've, at this point he has to prove it because he's he's definitely got a lot of things going against him right now. Yeah, I mean I'm not making a depth chart yet, but I think I'll, we can work on that in another episode. It's a little early, but for me, I'm not giving Mateo any anything. I'm I'm not you know completely shoving him down, but 
I don't I don't think uh, if he's going to succeed in MLS, I don't think it's going to be as a winger. I think it will be as a number nine, uh, which, you know, could very well work out this season with the Dynamo if he gets a chance. But um, I'm not putting him at number two right away. I'm, I'm not even putting him anywhere, you know, because I think there's a strong possibility we could see him being loaned out if uh, if the if the staff decides he's not MLS quality at all. But uh, if he does get minutes with Dynamo and he turns things around, I think it's going to be a striker. So, you know, for the sake of the club and for the sake of Mateo, I hope he definitely shows us that um, he was just being played in the wrong place and, and at the wrong time. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed from Dynamo Underground. Um, but yeah, uh, from the underground. I think we'll address most of the aspects uh, with the roster, at least this early in the, um, right before preseason. Obviously, we'll get to answer more questions uh, over the course of the preseason. And if we, and actually, even if we even get to watch streams, if there are any, uh, because I know for a fact I'm going to watch all the streams, but the main issue is if they're going to stream the games or not. Um, we're definitely gonna see all the all the Tucson games because those those are the ones that are usually streamed. I'm, I'm more concerned about the other ones, but we'll see. Um, hopefully, we get all the streams. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's exciting. I, I guess it's the, even though we're already pessimistic, uh, this is natural. I know, fans. It's it's the most exciting time in the season when you know you're. You have your hope not completely killed yet, and you're dreaming for something else. But I think as Dynamo fans, we're mostly keeping our expectations down. I'm still hoping for um, for at least two more signings this offseason, which I think we'll definitely get in terms of depth pieces, you know, little random signings to fill in the gaps. But I'm hoping for two impactful signings. I'm expecting one more. I would only say from what it sounds like we're only going to get one winger more. But I, expect, I hope for two impactful signings. That's my take there. Um, Later, uh, I mean, pretty much just to cap off the episode before Andres says anything else, we hope to have on uh, Roberto Rojas from the only uh, English-speaking podcast covering Paraguayan soccer in Guarani Vision. Then um, later this week or next week to talk about uh, Seba Ferreira once he's announced and see what he can he can bring to the Dynamo, what his national team, uh, Paraguayan national team aspirations are. And, um, you know, if that guy has a future in Europe, if he does well in MLS, so... That'll be some really cool insight for somebody that actually knows him um, and knows the, the Paraguayan landscape inside and out. So we, we hope you guys are excited to tune in for that later in the week or next week. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we definitely need to get those kinds of people here because of, like, the uh, going back to the last episode when we chatted with Mike Kuhn uh, from the Blue Testament about Paul Nagamura, um, we should definitely get, uh, like, more of those positions where, like, people know more about the player since they get they definitely give us like an, another perspective hopefully but yeah i guess like the last um thing i can say is yeah i'm expecting at least like at least one more signing um it could be like um um like a fullback i, I feel like at, at this point like just heading into the season i feel like if adding one more fullback goes a long way only because uh with that piece i guess we can just give like a reassurance for the back line because that's like I feel like at this point right now it's like the only th- piece that we're missing because um like either for us um um obviously I'm asking a lot if it's like a like a right back that can play left but um just get, getting that extra like a like or at least like a right back it, it goes a long way uh, as we discussed like Sarek is no longer a starter but but yeah I feel like 
that can definitely go a long way for me, especially like heading into the season at this point. And and yeah, um, that's pretty much it for this. Yeah. One more thing. Uh, um, hopefully, whether we um, address it in a press conference with Pat or, or, or with Paolo or somebody else, um, you know, obviously, it's always a time that homegrowns could be signs for this club. And, uh, you know, homegrowns usually either right now or in, in the summer. But it'll be interesting. There's obviously going to be homegrowns training with the club during preseason. Obviously, one big name out there that was a freshman starter for one of the best teams in college soccer, Kieran Sargent, for, who's a who's a freshman left back and center back for Georgetown Hoyas this year. That's an interesting name. There's also a Jason Juarez, who also can play left back, full back. Um, so this is some interesting names to see. Uh, Andre Gitao, who's uh, playing for the USU 17, so I've heard his name mentioned a lot as well. So, um, you know, fingers crossed it'd be really cool if we uh, – I think there will be at least some more of those quote-unquote homegrown signings for Dynamo 2, but it'll be interesting if we could see, you know, possibly one trickle into the first team if they impress that much. Oh, yeah, and that's that's the best part of the, about Dynamo 2. Um, and obviously the pipeline that's being developed by Paul Holocker and company um, – they're definitely gonna get more time, and that's definitely the reason why I'm excited to watch them. Assuming that we get the streams, um, but yeah, um, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Um, obviously, we we still have got a long way to go to find out more answers uh, through preseason and heading into like a very interesting season ahead of us. Uh, yeah, guys, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Um, Keep an eye out there for the Animal Underground. If you guys see it, let us know. Tag us on Twitter if you see it. Because we don't I think we have an idea how it looks like, but uh we wanna know the right the true answer though. The idea that I have what it looks like is Matt Jordan's basement, and I don't want to think about that place anymore. No, but that, that's like the fake Dynamo Underground. It has to be the real Dynamo Underground. We have to find it. I have no idea then. Oh yeah. Yeah guys, um Bro. The thing, guys. Promised land. <laughs> yeah, stay noodle, y'all. See you guys. Stay noodle.